Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Welcome back to Joe vs. the Minute. I am Jarf, and we are taking you to the volcano one minute at a time. Tierney will not be joining us for this episode, unfortunately, but great news. Returning to your airwaves is John Windsor. Welcome, John. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for joining us. We are talking about minute 72 of Joe versus the Volcano, and it begins with Joe seeing the Tweedledee sink. So pour one out for the Tweedledee. And it ends with Joe swimming another one of the trunks over to join his makeshift raft. So we're getting the payoff from that amazing scene with the luggage salesman and how he encouraged him to get the very best of luggage, something fit for an ocean voyage. So this was one of the first things, I feel like I always say that for the things that I like about the movie, but it's one of the things that's always stuck in my mind about the movie, that that this nice way that it circles back and you get the NPC early in the adventure who says, oh, Oh, you really need the special piece of equipment. You could get the cheaper kind, but if you get the nicer kind, turn to page 84, and then on page 84, your boat sinks. And if you've got the nice yeah. voyage, then you can make a raft out of it. Yeah, so. you understood why you, you met that guy so early in your mission. Right, you know? exactly. I believe he even says it's uh, it's sealed like a drum, the luggage that he uh, yes. buys. And he buys four of those big honking things. Like, how much of those four are just loaded to the brim, do you think? And what are they filled with? It doesn't seem like the two of them should need that much luggage, considering the fact... Well, actually, this is just Joe's luggage. So it's yeah, only just Joe. Joe's luggage. How could he possibly have that many belongings since he knows that he's only going to be there for a week, like a week or so and then literally jump into a volcano and, and yeah. after that? So who's yeah. paying to so, ship all of his stuff back to Staten Island? Or is he just leaving it on the island? Maybe, you know, maybe he's just giving it like, here you go, uh, Waponi Wu. Here's my uh, here's my really expensive like Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, my, and my mini golf set and my ukulele. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, there's seven pairs of socks in there, you know, six pairs of underwear. I wonder if any obsessive has ever itemized all of the contents of Joe's luggage. Well, I think you're uh, talking to him right now, sir, <laughs> right. because uh, I thought long and hard about what he could be stuffing these luggage tanks basically with. And, uh, you know, you, you can name off the top of your head, really, uh, what Joe has prepared himself for this week, you know, because he, he only changes his clothes. He changes his clothes a couple times, you know. So he's got like his safari hat in there mm-hmm. and his khaki shorts. He's got a ukulele in there. He has a radio in there. Like I said, probably at least seven pairs of socks, a pair for every day. And uh, not much else, right? Unless he just packed up like his whole apartment and put it into his luggage, which it could fit probably quite amount, you know, quite a bit of what he has, you know, like you could and he didn't even really have that much in his apartment. Personally, all of my personal belongings combined, like the things that I want to take with me when I'm going somewhere to die, <laughs> let's say, I don't even know if I can fill all four of those containers. But then again, if I think about it, the whole premise is he gets to live like a king and die like a hero. So Greenmore gives him the gold card and tells him to go on a shopping spree before the trip. So it, it isn't that he needed the big luggage 
for all of his this is all new stuff he got just for the trip and he went completely bonkers like there's a ukulele in there but you know there might also be a guitar in there <laughs> right and he's like, like a why, saxophone why limit myself to the ukulele i already have this is this mm-hmm. is my last chance where i've got great Moore's gold card i'm just you know, who knows yeah. maybe i'll form a band on the island yeah. like this Go one this style. one piece of luggage i'll put all my ukuleles in mm-hmm. and there are like 15 of them you know (laughs) he's like this one was like 600 bucks this one was only 100 bucks but you know maybe he went all out maybe when he went and bought a tuxedo you know he's like great this fits fine i'll take six yeah backup tuxes backup ukuleles Mm -hmm. the worst radio he could find the worst radio because yeah he uh yeah maybe i'm jumping ahead am i not allowed to jump ahead like a minute no he pulls out a radio and starts uh starts dancing but uh i think it's just radio i think it's just a 90s accurate radio yeah maybe it was just already his he didn't need a radio he brought like his old trusty one with him i think you might be right i don't remember seeing it in the apartment uh, but if it was fitting with everything else it probably would have been a more elaborate radio Mm -hmm. so when he is hanging off the side of the raft and patricia is on the raft did this remind you of anything you mean like uh some kind of uh what was the name of that director who did terminator james cameron James Cameron. I remember there being a James Cameron movie that was kind of like the scene. I know. It's But I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. Yeah, I feel like it's the same name as a famous boat, but it just can't won't come to me. Yeah, it was it was kind of like the Tweedledee. <laughs> they uh they both start with T. There you go. Yeah, where's the Tweedledee's epic 3-hour movie? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> so well, he's tied himself to the side and then Patricia is just laying dramatically on top of the raft. Mm-hmm. Does this track with you? Because I feel no, like I was thinking- he could drown just like Leonardo DiCaprio, or maybe he froze to death. I don't remember. I know it's controversial, and there's the whole there was room for him on the raft thing, but we won't go there. <laughs> hey, if only Jack and Rose had these like four giant luggage containers. I know, right? Which there probably were a lot of, you know, on the Titanic. Uh, she was sailing Is that first what class. It was called the Titanic. My problem was Patricia isn't secured at all. So she could have just rolled right off, right? Yeah, well, it's a good thing it's not like freezing water. So, you know, if he sees her roll, you know, slightly to the left in the wrong way, he could probably write the luggage because he's he's not freezing to death like Leo. So you're thinking that he, this wasn't like he tied himself up so that he could sleep. It was... Did he, though? Because there is some rope, like, hanging off his hands. <sighs> well, he did tie himself up. And I thought that there was... there. Were, he sort of starts awake, and he's like, Oh, I'm wait, I'm awake. But was it... Are you thinking he's tried to stay awake throughout the night so that he could keep an eye on Patricia? That would make sense. Well, that kind of brings me to a question that I wrote down. How long did it take Joe Banks to build this luggage raft? Because he had to gather together these four, what are we calling them? Like uh, five by three pieces of luggage, maybe a little bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And it's just him in the sea. Good thing he has this rope on him, you know, because the rope could have very well went down with the ship. But he's got this long uh, length of rope that he has to, you know, first gather these four pieces of luggage together, swim around them, which I bet took him like, you know, five minutes in himself or in itself. 
all while holding it all together with the rope. You know, this this could have very well taken him like eight hours to build. You know, I never thought about that. It's it's like a two person job at least because mm-hmm. if you really imagine trying to swim around and tie rope around four pieces of luggage in a storm tossed like, sea, about how hard they would that keep would be. they'd be moving all around. And but if another person was on the other end keeping it steady, mm-hmm. like think of how hard that would be in your mind and add three hours to that because that's probably more like reality and there's a like an unconscious person like do you think at one point he just opened one of them put meg ryan into it and closed it again so he could build this raft around her you know like i'm really sorry but yeah i'm never gonna get this finished with yeah. you rolling yeah. around so he i just promise keeps screaming like you would agree up. with me if you were awake <laughs> i have to do this please don't be mad right it's like you know oh, man he has to like prop it open a little bit so you know no water gets in but she can breathe while he you know goes about like this eight hour ordeal of tying these luggage bins together yeah it's a herculean effort you mentioned the rope i talked about this earlier in the week so this is the payoff of patricia having the rope around her arm when she comes out of the cabin and when she gets knocked into the sea yeah so yeah i guess yeah he's using the rope that she had around her shoulder to begin with exactly and if she hadn't if she hadn't come out with that rope then he wouldn't have been able to make the luggage raft right right yeah hey storytelling (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't have written that in there yep check off the rope Mm -hmm. so getting back to like the uh the titanic scene Mm -hmm. where rose you know the in Titanic, Rose is, you know, laying on the... She's almost laying, like, in the exact same way. And Tom Hanks is in the exact same position that Jack was in Titanic. Does it make you wonder if... Oh, what's the name of the director again? James Cameron. James Cameron. Does it make you wonder if James Cameron purposely thought, like, in his head, like, you know what You know what scene I really liked? Or you know what movie I really liked? Joe versus the Volcano. What if I threw a Joe versus the Volcano reference into Titanic? Huh. Which very well could have happened, you know? Maybe James Cameron, you know, who's older, James Cameron or John Patrick Shanley? Which came first, the the chicken or the egg? <laughs> right. So I I just looked up picture of Jack and Rose on the raft on my phone. Mm-hmm. And there's something that is subtly different about these two scenes, but I think it is a huge difference. It's the fact that Jack and Rose are face to face and on the same level Mm -hmm. versus Joe being more off to the side and Patricia is, she's up on top uh, looking a different direction. He's like at least a foot below her because it's more raised. Right. I could imagine James Cameron, see now it took me a minute to remember his name. I could (laughs) imagine James Cameron seeing that. He's so forgettable. What if I took that and made that the climax and, and how do I make it more dramatic and how do I make it more heartbreaking so i could see that but i don't quite see it as as a visual quote like you were asking Mm -hmm. i wonder if like of all the like 300 million people that saw titanic in theaters like one person is just sitting there like when he saw that scene he was just like he's like joe first volcano right joe first (laughs) that's the last time i saw this jack get some more luggage tie it together (laughs) i'd love to be that guy in the theater like looking at my friends like hey guys it's just like joe first the volcano and they're like joe first they're like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah their roles almost uh uh, are a little uh invocative of uh jack and rose almost like reversed uh in in some ways you know how i was saying in the last minute they had like a reverse spider-man kiss Mm -hmm. where um instead of kirsten dunn's pulling down spider-man's mask joe 
Banks pulls up Patricia's rain hat mm-hmm. and then they kiss. You know, it's almost the same thing. We almost get another reverse Spider-Man in this shot. <laughs> it's like a little uh, reverse Titanic. Well, how's it reverse? Because isn't Joe basically Jack off yeah, the Joe raft is- in the water and... Patricia is basically Rose, just yeah, sitting pretty is, on top she of the is raft. basically Rose, too, because she comes from, like, a rich family. She wants to get away from it. Jack is from kind of, like, the humdrums where she, like, almost wishes she was, you know? But ultimately, they both want to go nowhere with their lives. Like she says earlier, like, uh, when he asked her what she would do if she could just, like, leave, which is the last line of the movie, not to jump ahead, but she says, uh, away from the things of man. Oh, we know all too well. So, yeah, in a way, they're, they're a lot like Jack and Rose in that aspect where she wants to get away from her rich people life. I, I guess you wouldn't say he's the same as Jack because Jack's kind of living a more a more proud life than Joe. Jack is the self-actualized, I'm poor but I'm happy mm-hmm. artist. Jack would be Joe if Joe was doing whatever the hell he wants. Right. You know, like he wants to do. Yeah, if he didn't have PTSD, right. then yeah, he exactly. would be Jack. Yeah. And of course, the difference uh, from Titanic to Joe vs. Volcano would be that Jack is frozen dead in his correlating scene. And Joe is very much alive. So let's pull on that thread a little bit longer. Cool. Let's imagine the rest of the movie. If Patricia wakes up and she's on the raft and tragically Joe has died. So mm-hmm. shortly she'll be rescued by the Waponi. What do you think happens from there? She made the deal with her father that she would get Joe to the island. And in mm-hmm. return, she gets the boat. The boat has sunk. Yeah. Now she is on this island. No boat. And they are expecting a sacrifice to the volcano. Yeah, and it turns out in the middle of the night, they're going through some cold waters. Tom Hanks, much like Jack, just zero degrees and blue in the lips. And she has to like pry his hand off of hers like the same way. So that's what we're assuming here. That's what we're assuming here. So my question is, what does Patricia do when she gets to the island? Does she say, well, if the only way the island can be saved is if someone jumps in the volcano, then clearly this is my fate and I am going to take Stu's place? Or does she say, I'm sorry, I don't even know you. Like My dad is crazy, so I don't know what kind of deal he made with you. This is not my problem. I need to figure out how I'm getting off this island before the volcano erupts. Right. One of those two. Hey, do you think we're writing like almost a better movie than than what they actually wrote down? Because that that might be pretty cool. It it would be like a third act starter, you know? The main character has died. And now it's uh, up to Meg Ryan, the survivor, or Patricia, to uh, kind of take up the mantle for Joe, but also for her father, who she kind of hates, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, any kind of good storytelling would lead you to Patricia taking the job upon herself to jump into the volcano instead of Joe. For both Joe and for her dad. Mm, I'm not sure I like it. I'm not sure I do either, but, you know... It could have gone that way, and if it did, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would hate it any any less. Not that I hate it at all, but it, it might just be the same, if not maybe a better movie. I think the only the only version of that that I would accept is if she gets to the island and she solves the problem, but not by jumping into the volcano herself. Because mm-hmm. then that feels a little bit gross to me. But mm-hmm. if it was she figures out another way to resolve it, she finds a way that they can relocate to another island. Or or she realizes the volcano really isn't going to erupt. Or I don't know. But, but somehow she... 
outsmarts the situation. Here's a uh, here's a cool scenario. Much like Jack in Titanic, Tom Hanks freezes and dies in this scene. When does this situation start to get cool? <laughs> uh, right now, because Tom Hanks is dead. Like, the main character is dead. She thinks to herself, like, okay, I have to complete his mission for both him. You know, I have to live the rest of his life for him, but also do this job that he was supposed to do for my father on this island. So she's going to jump into the volcano. She does by herself. It started to jump ahead, but it spits her out. Like, it spits out both him and her. Then, okay, how about this? She finds the luggage, sails back, meets a guy who looks just like Tom Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, his name's like Chris or something. But it's it's basically this Tom Hanks. Maybe he's like a a much, maybe he's a much happier version of Joe. Kind of like Dee Dee was with uh, Meg Ryan or Patricia. There we go. There we go. And everyone finds happiness. Yeah. Except for Joe. Joe's dead. You, you could almost take from that exactly what you take anyway from this movie, <laughs> you know, because she's living the rest of his life for him. But then she goes ahead and meets him again because he kept meeting her again, like over and over. Why not the same the other way around? Well, it's not exactly the fairy tale ending that we get, but it it is a better resolution than her perishing on the island. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. speaking of fairy tales, we wanted to ask you for our Fairy Tale Friday segment. What's your fairy favorite fairy tale in any medium? In any medium, I thought a little bit about this. The, the one that I chose, I guess, like, I, you, you could definitely call it a fairy tale, but I don't know if it's widely known as a fairy tale, but I definitely chose it because it actually has a fairy in it, and uh, that would be the Nutcracker. Oh, okay. So, has anybody chosen the Nutcracker no. yet? Okay, well, um, yeah, like, would you call the Nutcracker a fairy tale? That was kind of what I was asking myself. Honestly, I'm familiar with the music, mm-hmm. and I only... I think I only know the start of the story. Dolls come to life mm-hmm. and the Nutcracker soldier is fighting some kind of mouse or rat. Mm-hmm. And there are sugar sugar plum fairies. That's the eponymous fairy that you mentioned. But I don't... Well, I've actually seen it perform, but I don't really know. It's like a child's imagination of all these toys coming to life, right? I don't know. What's, yeah. How would you summarize sort of the fairy tale take on the Nutcracker? Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I was going to ask you. Like, like in your, in your best, like, uh, you know, conjure up your, your best memory of the plot of the Nutcracker. Like, what is the Nutcracker about from like, from like A to Z? Bing, bang, boom. You have like a, uh, like, I guess he's like a Russian soldier or something, the Nutcracker. Sure. Because in the child's imagination, there's like, here's how I would describe the Nutcracker. And by the way, I think the Nutcracker these days is very problematic. And that's almost what makes it my favorite uh, fairy tale. Because I kind of like the fairy tales that are like a little bit messed up. Like, have you ever heard the story of the, the original Little Mermaid? No. Not the Disney version, but like the actual written down much, much longer time ago than the Disney one. It's about this mermaid, you know, but she gets like, at one point she gets her, like her, her tongue cut off or something. And that's why she can't talk in the Disney movie because her tongue has been removed. Like, I'm pretty sure like violently. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. And then at the end, like instead of marrying the guy on a boat, I think she just dies. And then like the last shot in the actual Little Mermaid is like her spirit, like flying away and like she becomes like clouds or something something but she's dead like the little mermaid dies i'm pretty sure at the end of the little mermaid ouch i guess you can call that a fairy tale too but yeah i just like to find like little problems like that in like old fairy tales and nutcracker is just like ripe with little problems like that so like i was gonna ask you like what do you think that the the plot of the nutcracker actually is the plot of the nutcracker to my understanding is about like this russian soldier 
or something who's like off in a war but then like i guess for christmas they let like some soldiers come back to like you know stay in somebody's house you know and like take a rest so he's like on leave and he goes to this like rich people's house to like stay but they're having like a christmas party so i guess like they 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 put him up in their house while they're having this christmas party but a lot of the nutcracker is from the point of view of like girl child who is in the house right Mm -hmm. and so it's Kind of like her imagination and like, yeah, all these toys come to life. And there's this nutcracker who is actually kind of the Russian soldier that's staying at their house. And like halfway through the story, this girl becomes like a woman. Like she goes from like being a 12 year old to being like a 30 year old right before your eyes. And it's like after she has this dance with this nutcracker. And, uh, hey, you know, like a story like that, I just don't think holds up to today's standards. Like if the nutcracker was written today, would it be written in that same way? What would be called? the guy who wrote that i see what you're saying and i see how if you if you look at it from the soldier's perspective it's like oh creepy but i think (laughs) as long as you're looking at it only from the perspective of the little girl's imagination then Mm -hmm. it's not creepy because a little girl is going to imagine, oh, I'm like swept up into this. I mean, not every little girl, but one can imagine a little girl imagining like, oh, wouldn't it be romantic? And we dance and blah, blah, blah. And it being completely innocent. Mm-hmm. So it's almost the same question you ask yourself in Joe versus the volcano. Like how much of this is literal and how much of it is going on in Joe's mind? How much of the nutcracker is literally happening and how much of it is going on in this little girl's mind? Because is she just having like a Christmas dream one night and, you know, in her dream, she's dancing with this uh, older fella, you know, all that stuff is happening or is it kind of literally happening and it's how like a child's mind would interpret it? Oh, no, I don't like that at all. Let's I don't like let's that at all either. <laughs> say that it's all a dream. I sort mm-hmm. of thought of it like the beginning of Toy Story when the kid is playing with his toys and he sort of pictures them having this awesome adventure and then you can actually see what the toy are doing it's that same kind of thing that we were talking about earlier in the week where tom hanks is floundering around in the water but in his mind he's aquaman or Mm -hmm. i i'm spinning around like an idiot on the ice in my mind i'm bullet but Mm -hmm. the actual toys are they're taped together to a train and it's just what a kid would put together but then through the kid's eyes then it becomes this whole adventure so that's that's what the nutcracker is and it's just yeah, it's a fairy exactly. tale of a child's imagination. Exactly. Like all creepiness aside, it is a good fairy tale. You know, I like me a good like Christmas fairy tale. It's very Christmassy, and it actually it, like I don't know how many fairy tales come with their own like really good Tchaikovsky soundtrack, but uh, the Nutcracker certainly does. You know, you can't say that about the who were the kids in the woods with the witch Hansel and Gretel. There you go. They don't have their own Tchaikovsky soundtrack, do they? That's, Maybe they do. I'm going to guess they don't. I want to hear Tchaikovsky do Hansel and Gretel. I'm sure there is some kind of classical music that's, that's been used for an apta- adaptation of Hansel and Gretel, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I couldn't tell you who did it. Maybe it's just like a real simple like pan flute. Like, do, 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 boop, Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> well, you get the simple pan flute when they're like, ooh, look, candy, candy house, isn't it? But mm-hmm. then it's got to get ominous when it's like, it was a trap. You're going to be yeah. my food, kid. So, yeah, you, you you need that same kind of, the same kind of range that George Delarue brings to the score of Joe versus the Volcano. So you, you hey. get the pretty music box and then you get the scary like ocean tempest. So. 
sell. And what a good job he did, as I said last minute. I really like George De La Rue. And what a good job I did bringing it back around to Joe versus the Volcano, if I do hey. say so myself. Hey, this is this is why we're here. But um, <laughs> what uh, what made you choose uh, Joe versus the Volcano? Well, I have always been a fan. I like that it is a different take on the fairy tale. Obviously, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan in her triple threat role. So on the surface is a lot of fun, and it's visually interesting and then i thought it would be an interesting movie to give closer scrutiny because it does get into some themes like how you deal with ptsd and depression and having a purposeful life that i i thought would be a good combination of just fun delightful actors great music and and set design but then also getting to talk about that kind of serious heavy stuff and then i reached out to tierney who i've collaborated with a couple times before just because i thought hey this might be in her wheelhouse and so i asked her would she be interested it turned out it is her favorite movie so it was kind of meant to be and we took it from there cool yeah, I, at one point in my life, maybe when I was back in like college or something, I would have called Joe vs. the Volcano one of my favorite movies. Nice. Because, yeah, it's one of those movies where you pick, pick if you pick it up kind of early in your life when you're just getting like real into like cinema and stuff like that, it's one of those like um, good like early on like college movies you can get real into. Exactly. You know? Right. Yeah. That was the point of my life when I saw it and saw at that point, hey, this is a really special movie. This is doing something different than what I've seen before. And mm-hmm. then, as we've talked about previously, but a long time ago, what's interesting is Tierney saw this movie when she was just a little kid. So she mm-hmm. was actually, she was seeing it as a, a fairy tale, the way you might see Wizard of Oz for this at first time. So mm-hmm. it, it just, it gives her a different perspective on it. Right. Yeah. Joe vs. the Volcano is probably, it was probably the first John Patrick Shanley movie that I saw. And, uh, and you, you know, he only, he's only done like, he's only directed two movies in his life so far. I think there's a third one coming out like relatively soon, but not for maybe a couple of years. So he did just first the volcano. And when did this movie come out? This came out in 1990. 1990. So yeah, like over 20 years ago. So he's done a lot of stage direction uh-huh. since, and then wrote doubt for the stage and then adapted doubt into into a movie yeah didn't doubt get uh like best adapted screenplay or something mm-hmm. wasn't that the oscar that it won and it's because he adapted his own play right mm-hmm. i bet uh you know how many times does that happen well this actually joe versus volcano is another he wrote the screenplay as well as directing it and then yeah. and he got an oscar for his screenplay for for uh, moonstruck, moonstruck as well yeah i was um I was thinking today of uh, all the movies that John Patrick Shanley has done. And he's, he's like one of my like favorite directors, even though he's only done like two movies. You know, like I really liked Doubt. I watched that maybe like a couple weeks ago and that, that super holds up. This movie's really good. But like, yeah, he's only directed two movies in his life. He wrote and produced, I think, Moonstruck. Norman Jewison, who did Fiddler on the Roof. He directed Moonstruck. John Patrick Stanley wrote it. Norman Jewison directed it. And then, like, his other big thing was he wrote the screenplay for Congo. I know. So that is on my list to see because that is just totally wild to me. I, You've I'm, never seen Congo? No, I haven't seen it. And I'm so curious to if the some of these fairy tale elements 
will carry over into Congo yeah. and what it Let will be like to there. imagine what if he had directed it and s- sort of executed on his original vision because mm-hmm. I love Moonstruck but it doesn't feel as much like a John Patrick Shanley movie as Joe versus the Volcano does and yeah and hey neither does Doubt if you're gonna Moonstruck is probably a little bit more Joe versus the Volcano than Doubt is because at least back then with Moonstruck you had like those uh, there was a lot of like uh, you know artistic style in it mm-hmm. in the ways that they did like like the city backdrops and stuff it was a whole lot like the moon scene in Joe versus the Volcano like almost the very same moon scene takes place in Moonstruck but it's because they had to do things like that you couldn't get a really good shot of the moon so you had to make one yourself right so yeah I was thinking of John Patrick Shanley the other day and yeah how he's only done he's directed two movies he's written two movies he mostly does plays and stuff but we're talking more like cinema and he's he, yeah he's just a really competent director I think he's one of you, you know I say this a lot like if if you sat down like uh like six of the the most like uh our greatest filmmakers you know what I mean like at a dinner party you know let, let's say like Steven Spielberg's there Martin Scorsese's there who else who's still alive you know like who, who are the greats today Oh man, it is way too late at night to get into that deep of a question. But yeah, what, what I'm saying is like, if you put like, say, say you put six of the greatest filmmakers together, like at like a table for like dinner one night, and you know, one of them is Steven Spielberg, one of them is Martin Scorsese, one of them might be John Patrick Shanley. You know, <laughs> I, I think the rest would agree. They're like, hey, John Patrick Shanley's here, even though he's only directed two movies. He's probably like one of the more, you know, maybe he only directed two movies for a reason, and it's because he puts a lot of freaking thought into the movies that he directs yeah he's like the artist that is not prolific but uh-huh. he he does have those couple of gems that yeah. everyone who has created a higher volume of work is trying to reach that level and uh-huh. i am i'm very curious it's exactly it's like it's like steven spielberg's made what like 58 like really good movies in his lifetime maybe maybe only 20 of them are like actually great but uh john patrick shanley directed two great movies yeah and uh the movie that you mentioned that is yet to come is wild mountain time and it's sort of a mm-hmm, return mm-hmm. to roots movie because he he's talking set in ireland uh, where he's from so that should be fun to see emily blunt is in it can't go wrong with emily blunt so if, if you guys were to um continue your like minute by minute podcast style where do you think you would go next oh man you know i think about that all the time, almost every day. So <laughs> Tierney has some plans that she's talked about. I think I think she's announced it on this podcast, right? But she is doing a league of their own one inning at a time. Oh, nice. I have not committed to my next Movies by Minute project. I've thought about doing Flintstones Minute, but I'm not positive. Well, uh, can I make a suggestion? Yeah, please. How about you do a Moonstruck Minute next, and you just kind of continue with like the John Patrick Shanley theme, you know? And then after Moonstruck, you can do Congo Minute, where you maybe don't even see Congo because you've never seen it before, right? I've never seen it before. So maybe your third one will be the one that you've never seen before. Oh, and I do it Mystic Pizza Minute stuff where I actually go through along with them one minute. Ooh, that would be fun. Like, like, hey, if you do that, I'll let you have it. I won't even sue you. <laughs> right, right. You know? And then you can follow up Congo Minute with a Doubt Minute. And then, you know, by then the world's probably over anyway. Yeah, so the world's probably to... over. But... 
<laughs> well, we're definitely going to do something for Moonstruck. I don't know if we'll do it a minute at a time because that's mm. just a lot of my life to spend with Nicolas Cage, and I'm not sure if I'm ready for that much intensity. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but I feel like I've already been there with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> but we'll probably do like a special Joe versus a minute, mm-hmm. at, at least you know one uh, episode about it. Um, but you hey, should have like uh, Patreon specials where you do like the the Moonstruck one. There we go. And then, yeah, and then do like a Congo one. Monetize the semifinal. Maybe you like watch Congo for the first time and then you you just jump right into it. I'm going to give that one some thought. That's intriguing. You should. I've seen Congo a lot. Congo is kind of one of those movies, you know, I'm real into, I don't know. It's like, uh, you know how a lot of people are into like Stephen King and stuff. I'm real into Michael Crichton. Like he did like Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, me too. uh, Yeah. And he did Congo. I've read Congo all the way through, you know, you know, back when I was in like high school and stuff. But uh, yeah, I I could, I could throw the movie Congo on at any time and like literally sit through it. (laughs) You know, it's just one of those. Well, do you want to remind folks where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, my name's John Patrick Windsor. I'm around. I have like an art page kind of. It's like illustrations I do. It's nothing crazy, but I'm an artiste. So I make like paintings and like pen and ink drawings. And you can find me there at uh, John P. Windsor Illustration. I'm on Facebook. And um, listen to uh, Mystic Pizza Minute because that was our Minute by Minute podcast. And uh, look for us soon because we're uh, about to start up Zardoz Minute. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, John. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah, this has been a ton of fun. Yeah. So if folks want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Joe versus Minute, and and who knows, one day we might be at Congo Minute as well. But until then, uh, we will, as you said earlier, John, have to sail away, away from the things of man, my friend, away, away from, from the things, things of man. Thank you, guys, and thank you, Tierney. I wish you could be here. I once, uh, I, I, I should say this before I go. I once knew a guy named Jeff Tierney. And that's my story. <laughs> good, good, Goodbye, good story. everybody. A perfect ending to the, to the week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. He played football. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.